G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Babylon's fall. Fortunes are made and lost. Long lives eventually come to an end. The only answer is, put your hope in God. Some try to find fulfillment in Babylon, a worldview that leaves God out. But Pastor Greg Laurie says God is our only hope. Don't put your hope in Babylon. Don't put your hope in possessions. Don't put your hope in experiences. Put your hope in God, because there's coming a day when the Lord's going to say the party is over. This is the day when the lost are found. get around to cleaning out the fridge, we're reminded that nearly everything we buy has a shelf life. With fresh produce, it's measured in just days. But so much of what we pursue in our lives also has a shelf life. Riches, fame, possessions, they don't last forever. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us to examine a particular worldview that dominates the end times. It looks good on the outside, but its shelf life is very short and the end is destruction. We're studying Revelation today. The Bible says there is coming a world leader. He'll be charismatic. No doubt he'll be good looking. He'll bring global solutions. He'll bring a pseudo peace for three and a half years to this war-torn planet. And the fact of the matter is the Bible calls him the beast. He's also referred to as Antichrist, the prefix anti, as I've told you before, doesn't just mean against, it also means instead of. And for those that don't know better, many will hail this charismatic world leader as the very Messiah. So let's pick up where we last left off with the beast in our story. The Bible tells us that a powerful religious deception will sweep the earth in the last days and it's described as Babylon. Babylon is pictured as a prostitute riding a beast and she's dressed in red. So we'll call her the Scarlet Harlot. And it's also revealed as a mystery. We all love a good mystery, right? This is mystery Babylon. Let's read Revelation 17. Verse three, so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast which is full of names of blasphemy having seven heads and 10 horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman, verse six, 
of chapter 17, drunk with the blood of saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus, when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. And the angel said to me, why did you marvel? I'll tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has seven heads and 10 horns. We'll stop there. So Babylon is a point of reference for evil. Contextually, looking at the book of Revelation, Babylon refers to an entire worldwide political, economic, and religious kingdom under the control of Antichrist. But Babylon can be personal as well. It's basically a life that is consumed with pride, sensuality, idolatry. Effectively, anything that takes the place of God. Here's another point. Babylon looks good on the outside, but it's dead on the inside. Babylon looks good on the outside, but it's dead on the inside. Look at Revelation 17.4. She has in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. So a golden cup would refer to luxury, right? Abominations referred to things that are offensive to God. Verse four says she's dressed in scarlet and purple and covered in jewels. That speaks of luxury again. Purple was a color usually worn by royalty back in that day. Uh, as was scarlet and covered in jewels. That speaks for itself. If you see someone covered in jewels, head to toe, obviously that's an affluent person. And this is how sin is. It looks good on the outside, but then you take a bite of it and it is like poison in your system. So we don't wanna eat of those things. Listen to this. Babylon will not only be a mentality, it will not only be a religious system, it will be an actual entity. In effect, it will be a super city that is going to be judged. Go over to Revelation 18, verse one. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, it's fallen. It's become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, a cage for every unclean and hated bird. So Babylon is gonna go down one day and it happens quickly. Listen to this, Satan sails a sinking ship. Sin cannot win and faith cannot fail. It's interesting in Revelation 18, it says Babylon is destroyed in one hour. So this super city, actual entity of Babylon will be built, I'm not sure where, and it will be destroyed in one hour. Amazing. You know, in a way, everyone will have their Babylon fall at some time in their life. People build their hopes on a Babylon of sorts. I read the story this week of a Wall Street investor. His company was worth $20 billion. And then overnight, it dropped in value to $863 million. That's still a lot of money. The guy was worth $20 billion, and then he's worth $863 million. But he was so despondent, he jumped off the balcony of his building and ended his own life. How tragic. But Babylon's fall. Fortunes are made and lost. Possessions come and go or they break or go out of style. Long lives eventually come to an end. The only answer is put your hope in God. Don't put your hope in Babylon. 
Don't put your hope in possessions. Don't put your hope in experiences. Don't put your hope even in relationships. Put your hope in God because there's coming a day when the Lord's gonna say the party is over. Coming back to Babylon, the great kingdom, being ruled by the boy king Belshazzar. Speaking of uh, golden cups, he brought out all the cups and other objects used by the Jews in their worship of God and filled them with wine and began to toast the false gods of Babylon, going out of his way really to mock God. The Bible said God judged him. That was the end of Babylon. And that was the end of Belshazzar. And things come to an end. So we've talked a lot about the beast. Let's come back to the beauty. What is the beauty doing while the beast and this scarlet harlot where the rodeo from hell are wrecking havoc on planet earth? Oh, we're in heaven singing the hallelujah chorus. Revelation 19, after these things are heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, hallelujah, salvation, glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God for true and righteous are his judgments because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication and has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. You remember the first Star Wars films? There was a massive space station called the Death Star that terrorized the galaxy. So Luke Skywalker and his X-wing fighter came in and they blew up the space station and it was destroyed. That's what's gonna happen to Babylon. But while all of this is happening, we're celebrating in heaven. As you know, I've written a book called Billy Graham, The Men I Knew. One of the stories I tell in the book involves the Hallelujah Chorus. So uh, I was with Billy and Ruth Graham. Ruth was very sick at this point. She was not long for this world. And my friend Dennis Agajanian was there. And he had his guitar. And so Billy asked Dennis to play something for him. So Dennis played the Hallelujah Chorus on his guitar from Handel's Messiah. It was beautiful. Now as he was playing, I was watching Dennis a little bit and looking over at Billy and Ruth and they were looking at each other. There was so much love between them. They were obviously having a very tender moment. I wasn't quite sure what it was all about, but I could see this song had special significance to them. And after Dennis was done with this song, Billy turned to Ruth and said, that's a song they played on our first date. Because in fact, uh, Billy took out Ruth Bell, that was her name then, on their first date while they were both attending Wheaton College to a performance of Handel's Messiah. Well, we'll be singing the Hallelujah Chorus in heaven. We're celebrating. So glad you've joined us today here on A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Christian Fellowship in California, USA, guiding our studies in the book of Revelation in the Bible. And today he's pointing out an encouraging fact. We'll be in heaven celebrating. Let's continue. It's a study called Beauty and the Beast. Why are we celebrating in heaven? Number one, we're celebrating because the power of God has finally vanquished evil. Uh, Revelation 19, 1 and 2. So when we talk about the end of the world, we're speaking of the end of this wicked system that's in rebellion against God. Number two, we're rejoicing because the Lord is reigning. God is is establishing his kingdom. It's all coming now. And we're celebrating the marriage supper of the Lamb. Look at Revelation 19, verse seven. 
Let's be glad and rejoice and give God glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. And the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. (laughs) I love the word supper, don't you? That's more of a southern word. Uh, In California, we usually say dinner, but uh, I was raised by my grandparents for many years of my life, and they're from Arkansas, so we always called it supper. And my grandmother was an amazing cook. Uh, She made everything from scratch, all those great southern dishes, starting with fried chicken and black-eyed peas and collard greens, and, and her crowning achievement was her biscuit. I've never had a better biscuit than my grandmother, who we called Mama Stella, would make. Uh, I'd watch her make it. And it was so simple. It seemed like anyone could do it. I remember I had my wife, Kathy, watch her. I said, Kathy, watch Mama Stella make the biscuit. You have to figure out how to make the biscuit. And, And Kathy would watch her. And then she tried using the same ingredients, but no one could make it quite like my grandmother. And she's been in heaven for many years now. And it seems to me if we're going to have a supper in heaven, we have to employ the biscuits of my grandmother, Mama Stella, somewhere along the line. But even if we don't, I'm sure what we'll have in their place will be far better. But in this great marriage feast, Matthew 8, 11 says, Jesus speaking, many will come from the east and the west and take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Can you imagine having a meal with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? You'll meet the great people of the Bible. You can ask David what it was like to fight Goliath. You can ask Noah what it was like to live in that ark. Ask Moses what it was like to part the Red Sea. Ask Mary what it was like to carry the Son of God in her womb. And best of all, ask Jesus anything you like. And you'll be reunited with loved ones who have preceded you to heaven. This is the hope of the child of God. This is not the hope of the child of Babylon. You have two cities you can choose from in life, the city of God or the city of man, Babylon or the new Jerusalem, Antichrist or Jesus Christ. This world we're living in is not our permanent home as Christians. We're passing through. First Chronicles 29 says this, our lives on earth are but for a moment. We're visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a shadow gone so soon without a trace. Wow. To have this hope of heaven, you need your name written in a book I passed over this verse quickly, but let me come back to it. Revelation 17, 8. Those that dwell in the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When you're a Christian, your name is written in a book. It's the book of life. When your name is written, I don't know. Here it says from the foundation of the world. Since God is foreknowledge, maybe he put your name in the book ahead of time because he knows you will believe. But regardless of when your name gets in there, this is what I know. As a Christian, my name is in the book. And I ask you in closing, 
Is your name in the book of life? You say, well, why does that matter? Because as we'll see in our future message, if your name is not found written in the book of life, you're cast into the lake of fire as you stand before the great white throne judgment of God. Listen, one day everyone will stand before God, small and great, rich and poor, famous and unknown. Everyone will stand there. Every man, every woman, every person will stand there. And all that matters is having your name in this book. I mentioned earlier that we all have an appointment. And if you're a Christian, you have an appointment to meet the Lord one day. Let me close with the story of a lady who had an appointment with Jesus. I don't think she had it on her calendar, but it was there in the councils of eternity. We sometimes just call her the woman at the well. She went to the well to draw water, as she always did, 12 in the afternoon, it was hot. And who's waiting there by the well but Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who's gone way out of his way into Samaria, which is outside of Israel, to a place that is pretty much hostile to Jewish people. And he's sitting by the well waiting for her. Why? Because she had an appointment with Jesus. They engaged in a conversation. And the end was she ended up believing in him. Some of you watching me right now, unbeknownst to you, but known to God, have an appointment with God right now. This is the moment that the Lord has orchestrated for you to hear the gospel and believe in Jesus Christ and have your sin forgiven and have your name written in the book of life. You say, what are you even talking about? None of this even makes sense to me. Here's what I'm saying. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. God wants to forgive you of all of your sin and Jesus wants to come and live inside of you as your Savior and your Lord and your friend. You do not have to be alone in life. Am I talking to somebody right now that has thought of taking their own life? Maybe you've even attempted it. Am I talking to somebody right now that has given up all hope? Am I talking to somebody right now that had just the other day said, God, if you're out there, make yourself known to me? Guess what? He's doing it right now. He loves you and he wants to forgive you. And you can start a relationship with him. He's only a prayer away. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross for your sin. And then he rose again from the dead. And now he stands at the door of your life and he knocks. And he says, if you'll hear his voice and open the door, he'll come in. Would you like Jesus Christ to come into your life? Would you like him to forgive you of your sin? Would you like to know with certainty that you will go to heaven when you die? Would you like to be ready for the Lord's return? If so, I'm gonna pray a prayer. And I'm gonna ask you to pray this prayer after me. So if you want Jesus to come into your life and you want him to forgive you of your sin, pray this prayer after me, okay? Let's pray. Pray these words after me if you would. Just pray this, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner but I know that you're the Savior who died on the cross for my sin and rose again from the dead. Jesus, come into my life now. I choose to follow you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. A 
Pastor Greg Laurie with an important prayer with those making a decision for the Lord today. And if you're amongst those who've prayed with Pastor Greg just now and you meant those words sincerely, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We'd also like to send you some free resource materials to help you in your new journey. Just ask for the New Believers Growth Packet when you call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's one 800 772 936 And the team would also love to pray with you. That's 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. Now, given the imminent return of the Lord, we need to make sure that we belong to Him. Pastor Greg wonders if there's evidence that you do. We'll talk about that next time, right here on A New Beginning. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called Beauty and the Beast. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast. Or for a copy on CD, contact Vision Christian Store on 1-800-00-5011 or go to visionstore.org.au. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.